the Old Testament reading for this morning and the basis for this morning's meditation comes from 1 Kings, beginning in the 8th chapter, at the first verse, and assorted following verses. It is written, Bringing all this to a climax, King Solomon called in the leaders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes and the family patriarchs, to bring up the chest of the covenant of God from Zion, the city of David. Then the priests brought the chest of the covenant of God to its place in the inner sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, under the wings of the cherubim. And when the priests left the holy place, a cloud filled the temple of God. The priests couldn't carry out their priestly duties because of the cloud. The glory of God filled the temple of God. before the entire congregation of Israel. Solomon took a position before the altar, spread his hands out before heaven and prayed. O God, God of Israel, there is no God like you in the skies above or on the earth below, who unswervingly keeps covenant with his servants and relentlessly loves them as they sincerely live in obedience to your way. You kept your word to David, my father, your personal word, you did exactly what you promised, every detail. The proof is before us today. Keep it up, God, O oh God of Israel. Continue to keep the promises you made to David, my father, when you said you'll always have a descendant to represent my rule on Israel's throne, on the condition that your sons are as careful to live obediently in my presence as you have. O oh God of Israel, let this all happen. Confirm and establish it. Can it be that God will actually move into our neighborhood? Why, the cosmos itself isn't large enough to give you breathing room, let alone this temple I've built. Even so, I'm bold to ask. Pay attention to these my prayers, both intercessory and personal, O oh God, my God. Listen to my prayers, energetic and devout, that I'm setting before you right now. Keep your eyes open to this temple night and day, this place of which you said my name will be honored there. And listen to the prayers that I pray at this place. Listen from your home in heaven. And when you hear, forgive. And don't forget the foreigner who is not a member of your people Israel, but has come from a far country because of your reputation. People are going to be attracted here by your great reputation, your wonder-working power, who come to pray at this temple. Listen from your home in heaven. Honor the prayers of the foreigners so that people all over the world will know who you are and what you're like and will live in reverent obedience before you, just as your own people Israel do, so they'll know that you personally make this temple that I've built what it is. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh God, we've come to accept that much of our life is lived in the dust of the mundane, and we seek to measure our lives by the moments of gentler remembrances. But we pray with confidence this morning to a God who knows the rhythm of our lives and joins us in the cycles of laughter and tears, and in seasons of celebration and grief. For your constancy in our lives, O oh God, for all of the pushes along life's journey, and for our friends along the way, 
we are grateful. Open our minds and our ears and our hearts to your guidance and spirit, we pray. Amen. Once upon a time, there was a great builder of castles named Gobin. And one day, he was asked to build a castle for a king in a foreign country. And to reach this place of work would require a long journey. Now Gobin had one son who was nearing adulthood. And he decided to bring his son along as company for the journey and also that they just might get to know each other a little better. So they set on the, out on their long journey. And after a while, Gobin said to his son, Son, shorten the road for me. And the son, thinking that his father was referring to the physical journey, pointed out some convenient shortcuts that avoided many twists and turns in the road. But this approach did not please Gobin, so he said they'd better return home. The next day they set out once more, and after a while Gobin again said to his son, Son, shorten the road for me. And this time the, the son thought that the father wished to be distracted from the journey as a way of easing the burden of travel. So he tried to get his father deeply involved in a conversation about a description of the castle he was going to build. And the father was again disappointed and said that they'd better return home. Well, that night the son confided his troubles to his mother. And he told her about the mysterious test that he was being subjected to by his father. And he desperately wanted to make the journey with his father and win his love and respect. So the mother agreed to help him. She was a wise and compassionate woman and was anxious to make her son and her husband happy. So she told him the secret of shortening the road. Well, the next morning, the father and son set out on their journey once more, and after some time, Gobin asked his son to shorten the road for him. And the son began to tell him a story. And in no time, they had completed the journey. The father and the son established a strong bond of love between them because of the nature of their journey together. So I think we have to ask, why stories on a journey? Not only do they make time pass quickly, but stories try to make sense out of the journey itself. Stories tease meaning out because life is a mystery in which we know that both wonderful and terrible things happen to us. We need to explain the unexplainable or at least know that there is some impenetrable purpose behind the events in our journey. We need to know that the journey itself has a goal, has a destination, and that we do not ever really travel alone, but that we are accompanied by unseen presences. Why stories on a journey? Well, their power, at least the power of a good story, is this. A story always says more than it says with words alone. It may appear simple and sometimes fantastic, but if you try to get beneath the figures of speech in the story, if you try to penetrate the imagery, you will find a richer way to live life. And you will also make your journey, if not easier, 
at least more purposeful. Stories have power because every story, in some sense, is our story. Well, the days of wanderings and tents are over, and the people of Israel, they're settling down. The long years of battles with neighboring nations have ended for now, and King Solomon builds a temple. His father, King David, bought the land for the temple, even gathered all the supplies to build the doggone thing. But God told him not to. So like Moses standing right at the edge of the promised land, but not allowed to enter, David hears a word from God that he will not be able to build this house for God. You see, David is a man of war, and his spirit is muddied by battles and blood, so he's not fit to be a builder for the house of worship. Well, after David's death, Solomon takes up the plans to build a home for the name of the Lord my God. And when the temple is finally finished, the priests carry in the Ark of the Covenant, which has traveled with the people since their desert days. They carry the ark into the finished building. Now, if you might remember, the ark was built at Sinai to carry around the tablets of the Ten Commandments. And it has served as a physical reminder of the presence of God. The ark represents the Shekinah, the presence of God among the people. And God hasn't chosen to dwell in any particular city before and has always been found in the tent where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. The Ark traveled into battle with the people as a representation of God's continual presence with them. It was a visual source of strength. And now Solomon says, I have provided a place for the Ark in which is the covenant of the Lord. So the temple comes to represent in some way Israel's transportation or transformation to a people now settled in one place. And while Solomon is building God's house, he's also building quite a nice castle for himself. In many ways, the building of the temple represents a settled sense in which Israel was finally ready to call one place home. I think it also represents our desire to contain God to be able to find God consistently in one place anytime we want to. In some ways, we need to know that God is at home. It is interesting to me that the temple was built to help the people worship. And yet in interesting ways, I think, it moves God further away from them. For the ark that had traveled with them, had accompanied them into battle, made the rounds through the desert, is now placed in the Holy of Holies, the innermost part of the temple where only the priests are allowed to go. The God who was once on the move with the people is now hidden away from them, accessible only through the priests. So the temple, the glorious building, both highlights God's presence, yet in some ways also hides God away. I think it is an interesting combination of what home means. You know, stories are the greatest healing and teaching avenues that we have. Through stories, we transmit values, traditions, memories, 
identity. The images of the soul impact the body and vice versa. Pierre Teilhard de Chardin wrote, and I quote, We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Therapists know this truth. Change how you imagine reality, and you make whole what is broken. You enable the soul, mind, and body to interact. So I really need to ask you this morning, who told you your first stories? The images that live in your head and in your heart. Where did they come from? What sense of home is locked away in your holy of holies? I know this much for sure today. All of the love that we share in this world is as eternal as we are. Every expression of kindness, every good deed, all of the friendships, all of the generosity, I believe they follow us all home. In oh so many ways, I think that we still try to keep God in one place. A place where we can visit occasionally, but one which can be out of sight and out of mind for the most part. In part, I think sometimes you have to leave home to find it. But once you carry it around within you, in your heart, you can return to it whenever you want. So today I just wanted to remind you once again of the power of story, of the power of a sense of home, and maybe to remind you that for someone, you are the first storyteller. It sets the stage for a spiritual being having a human experience. Amen.